culture do? What can culture do? What is culture? Culture unites us. very much for joining us here in this last round of breakout sessions. Um, I'm very, very uh, honored to be sitting next to Benita von Maizan, who's the Head of Culture and Corporate Social Responsibility at Volkswagen, and very interested to hear her perspective on collaboration. My name is Geraldine DeBastian. I have a background in political science and digital stuff in a broader sense, and, uh, and it's been a very exciting day for me today. I learned a lot, and um, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation of two, three questions up here, but I want to open it um, pretty much immediately for your questions, comments, interventions. It doesn't necessarily have to be just a question, but if you want to just... We were early. We were early. Over eager to maximize the time here. Um, we do want to have an actual conversation with all of you, so if you want to share insights to your work or experiences that you've made, you're very, very welcome to do so. Um, right, and with that, I'd like to kick things off. Um, Benita, why is a company like Volkswagen interested in supporting arts and cultures? Where do you see your role in, in supporting cultural and artistic activities? Um, yeah, Volkswagen Group has been actually supporting the arts and culture for quite a long time. Um, and uh, it's mainly really it's about social responsibility i think with about 650,000 employees which the whole group has we are definitely part of the society and um so it's it's for us it's just social responsibility to support the arts and the culture and uh yeah give something back i i read a couple of interesting articles um where it was pointed out that um financial support coming from the automotive sector not just volkswagen although you were specifically mentioned in all the articles i found on this topic matter is positive or negative positively positively saying what a what important contribution that is and it is quite um quite yeah like i said significant that automotive companies would put such emphasis on supporting culture Yeah, for us, it's um, what we really want to achieve and what is important to us that is, is that we want to enable as many people as possible to have the experience with art and culture so that through our support, maybe exhibitions will happen um, that normally will not happen because the financial support is not there. I'm very often asked, um, so it must be the blockbuster exhibitions that you're really interested in. But in the end, it isn't. And it isn't about you know, seeing our logo on the wall. It is really about partnerships, working together with institutions and, yeah, making exhibitions or concerts or whatever happen that might otherwise not be happening. Right. That's very interesting to hear because often, of course, CSR activities are activities with which a company wants to present itself in a certain light and be very visible and get that sort of payback for good karma points. Um, so how come that's not exactly the approach you're taking? Um, if I understood you correctly, it's not about your logo appearing in the sort of well, front page. Well, I think I see that more in a sort of marketing sponsoring sense. So it's not about like, for example, football sponsoring. Of course, you have the logo on the T-shirt and uh, 
one would hope that people then go out and buy cars. So it's not about that. It's about the social responsibility side of it. It is a CR side of it. And yes, it is. We want to be seen as a good citizen. It's not that we don't want that, but it's not about, you know, that somebody should be buying a product afterwards. It's a little bit like you're sort of translating your general claims of everybody should have car to everybody should have access to art. Yeah. Um, can you give us insight into just some examples? Let's start with a couple of examples of the kind of partnerships that you've had in the past that you think particularly were successful if, if these are the sort of values that you're promoting. So we've had long-term partnerships with various museums. We have a partnership since about seven years with the Museum of Modern Art and MoMA PS1. We've done many projects with the V&A, um, with uh, the Nationalgalerie here in Berlin, um, with various concerts, Dresdner Staatskapelle, and yeah, so we have... But the importance is they're long-term partnerships. We sit together with them and... Uh, discuss where the money should go, which content, which exhibition, or as an example at MoMA, we are now since about three years lead partner of education. So all money goes into their education program. And coming back to that, it's so many different and various people that we reach there. It's young, it's old, it's um, disabled, it's the online courses which we supported that they would happen. So MoMA has a big online course program now so people all over the world can learn there. Um, yeah, that's really sort of examples of... I heard you say in a statement that building these partnerships is really important for you and this long-term engagement that you just mentioned. However, you would never sort of meddle in the curation or design process. So the actual content stays with the, with the museum curators. Um, well, obviously, that's you know, objectively clear why that is an important thing. Um, how, do you, how do you start how, did choosing the, part, the people that you want to engage with? How do you build these partnerships? Where's the sort of starting point for them? You mean how do we get to work with certain people? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a wealth of choice of, you know, who could you possibly work with out there? So how do these partnerships form and how do you select who you want to work with? I think, um, well, a lot of those that we have now are long-term partnerships, so we've had them for many years. And um, we still get approached by a lot of people as well, but uh, it's it's about the the content and uh, the, the the proposal that we get that we either say, yeah, that's something we want to do or, or we don't. But uh, really, all the partners we have now, we've had since many years and it's continuity and we work with them on a continuous basis, but we discuss every year what we will be supporting in particular. Without sort of wanting to meddle in the actual curation process, but do you also feel that you bring certain things to the table, like ideas or impulses that maybe come from your area of work that, that wouldn't have been there before? Absolutely. So another um, point that is probably really important is the exchange that we like to have with our partners. And maybe Martin again here is a good example. Um, he obviously was very good at approaching us and for wanting money, but that wasn't really what it was all about. Um, he was really the one who's, for one example, the first project we did together was called the Season of Engineering. So Martin was, I think, the first person who said, even engineers are designers, and engineers need a space and an exhibition in a museum. So there was a great exhibition at the V&A called the Season of Engineering, and we sat together, and 
he was really keen in speaking to our engineers and having the exchange with people at Volkswagen, having the exchange with our future research company, uh, future research department. Um, and so this, this sort of exchange between our and cultural institutions um, is something I think which for both sides was really, also for our engineers, was really interesting and opened them up to talking to you know, the cultural side. Are there examples of that exchange in some of the partnerships you're leading, like, for instance, with the MoMA, the e-learning aspect or other things that you, that you helped inspire? Um, mo I mean, V&A was probably where we had the most exchange. Also, there's an exhibition at the V&A now called The Future Starts Here. So, again, the curators came and had uh, workshops with our future research department. Um, another example which I like to tell is we are supporting the Easter Festival in Salzburg which is a great music festival and that really started off with supporting it and in the end yes having a nice premiere and giving tickets and, and we thought we want to do more than just that and so there, the Karian Institute is an amazing music institute that is really interested in the future, where is the future of music going? Mm -hmm. So we started a big workshop with them and had a music tech conference in the end because where when autonomous driving will come up um, the experience within the car is totally different to, to, to where it is now because you're not sitting there anymore at the steering wheel. You're actually sitting in the back. You might be eating. You might be reading. You might be doing something different. So the actual experience of music in the car will be different too. So that was, an, again, an exchange that then happened with our future uh, department, our future center, and the Karian Institute. Yes, that's a very nice example. I'm looking uh, around. When I turn my head, I'm basically looking to see if hands come up. There's a lovely lady on the side here with a microphone that will come to you. So please, whenever you feel like it. There we go. That's the first one in the front row. Thank you. My name is Katrin Buchholz. I'm working for the Foreign Office, and I'm going to China to be the head of the cultural department very soon. So my interest would be whether you also do strategic choices, whether China for you is also from the cultural perspective an important market or field of playing field. And if so, what kind of projects are you launching? Are you planning to launch? And how do you deal with the political constraints there? Thank you. China definitely is one of our very important I mean, commercially anyway, our most important market, but also on our cultural support side, really important. Um, we supported a very big exhibition last year called Deutschland 8, which was in seven different museums in, uh, in Beijing. Worked with your colleague. Um, and um, no, but apart from that, uh, we have a program within China, which is called, which we're doing at the moment with the Shanghai Symphony Orchestra, the AEP, the Artistic Exchange Program, where we go out into cities, um, also where our factories are. There's about 14 factories, so cities which are not Beijing, not Shanghai, not the main cities, um, and do musical education out there. Go out with the musicians, um, they go to the conservatory there, they work with the musicians there, and they also work with our employees, they do concerts there. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in China. So, oops, oops. Um, I thought it was a very interesting um, session on the main stage before hours here, and both in the comment of the colleague on... His interpretation of Western democracy was very, um, I guess people found it very entertaining. I found it very interesting, um, as well as Michelle's observation on the power of soft diplomacy. Do you see the activities that you're engaging in in countries, especially like China, 
as a vehicle for an exchange and a dialogue about cultures and values that you perhaps do not usually have on a sort of hard diplomacy political level? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, thinking back at the Deutschland Acht exhibition, it was really amazing to see uh, a how many people, and I think it was six weeks and 700,000 visitors came, um, and how the Chinese were really interested in the German art, which they might have known about, might not, yeah. um, how they were interested in the different, it was uh, different media, it was a photo, museum. one museum did photo, photography, another one did video, another one did paintings, um, and they were really, uh, the exchange between listening to them, what they thought, and how they were interested, and I definitely think that's soft di diplomacy that is important. Is that something that you, uh, and I, hope, I don't want to pry too far, so if this is going in a direction, then, then do it's totally okay to say, mm. but is that something that you strategically think about, for instance, together with partners like IFA or with other cultural institutions about where to sort of stretch out or where perhaps also maybe not to? More to where to stretch out to, mm -hmm. I think. We haven't had the where not to, but we... we We did the exhibition that you heard about earlier, the Driven by German Design, which was, um, yeah, Martin and I sort of curated together. We worked together very hardly there. Um, and that was fantastic, you know, to go out to, to Doha and do an exhibition there. We did an amazing workshop uh, with in Pforzheim, is the, the Deutsche Transport University. So German design students went out to Qatar and worked with Qatar design students on a, actually a future Porsche project, how a Porsche could look like. Um, and it was really wonderful to see how also the German students appreciated this, uh, this exchange and contact with the Qatari students and mm -hmm. what came out of it. So these are definitely really important things to us. Excellent. Do keep uh, having your questions and interventions coming. Um, you touched upon another topic. Oh, there we go. We'll have you first. Oh, go ahead. No, no, okay, um, then please save it. Um, you touched on a topic that uh, I'd love to speak a little bit more about, which is this idea of creating access, access to art and access to culture through partnerships, through the kind of partnerships that you uh, engage in. Is this, again, sort of part of the idea of, of the sort of concept of, of public and public access that Volkswagen as a company also stands for in some ways? So, as I mentioned earlier, we do want as many people as possible to have the experience and go and see art, uh, get the creative impulse. So, as an example, yeah, here with the um, National Gallery, with our partnership, we sat together and we, in the end, developed a new format where every first Thursday, every month now, uh, the Hamburger Bahnhof, the entry is for free. We've called it Volkswagen Art for All, so mm -hmm. everyone can go to the museum um, see the exhibitions there and um, that Thursday there will always be either a performance or an artist talk or whatever. So, and believe it or not, it took, I think, more than a year for us, although we said we're happy to finance this and we want this to happen, with the city of Berlin to finally <laughs> agree and have the first Thursday of the month be Volkswagen Art for All at Hamburger Bahnhof. Wow. I mean, as a Berliner, that kind of information... Never surprises, but is always sad to hear. Why do you think it took... So something that's very I obvious... Think it was also a lot of bureaucracy behind it, but that is also Berlin. Yes, that is also very much Berlin. Um, but in the end, when you got there, do you feel that there was a political sort of engagement and will? Um, or, and was it just the bureaucratic mills that took a long time to turn? 
more the bureaucratic bills, but I think probably a little bit of the other as well. Is that a shyness toward collaborating with the private sector, or is that more of a lethargy in general towards doing supporting new cultural? Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sigh. But it was wonderful to see the first Thursday. Really, the the amount of people that came and the and the mixture of people that came from students, from young, from. Actually, funnily enough, there was a group of 12 Indian nuns that I think coincidentally <laughs> were there that afternoon, but <laughs> that was our favorite photograph. It's very interesting to hear you talk about this. Sorry, this happened to me all day as well. As long as it's that side, because I, I put your water there. So, <laughs> um, so It's very interesting to hear you talk about this, because I was speaking to um, Mr. Fogel earlier on today, who's the director of the Natokuna Museum, and he's previously worked in the UK, and he was actually quite critical about um, opening museums up. But as if I understood him correctly, his, his point of critique was more that if it, he hasn't had the experience that if museums do that themselves, it's beneficial because they lose out on so much money. They're chronically underfunded. And it's not like you get the desired effects if you don't have the right support programs around it. So he was sort of pushing for the uh, politics and the, the sort of basically the government to come up with clever schemes to really support those people who usually wouldn't to access museums. And I feel like this would also be kind of in line with what you're that's suggesting. Exactly, that's, yeah, that's exactly what we want. And another... Little example, which we did also develop with the National Galleries, we have a little VW bus. Actually, that wonderful hippie bus you all saw there was ours. Nice. It was <laughs> quite a thing to get it to London and to put it on the street. Like Martin said, it needs to be outside the V&A. Um, a sort of similar bus, but a, but a modern one. We've now completely rebuilt inside for children, so they have their pens and papers and everything in there. We're calling it the Rollender Atelier. And it's going out in Berlin to uh, schools and kindergartens to also pick up people and uh, pick up children from there, take them to the museum that normally would not go, and also use it as a creative institute for them that's traveling around Berlin. I think that's a really, really wonderful idea. This has come up a number of times during the conversations and uh, we've had here previously this how do you bring things to the people? And it very much resonates with a lot of my areas of work where we sort of have, for instance, a mobile makerspace where we try to bring hardware innovation to people living in rural areas who don't have access to fab labs and other institutions is that and I would also bet that overcoming the barrier of actually just the you know traveling from home to the museum which I'm sure for a bunch of low-income families is not something that just comes for nothing yeah. and also that might might not be their first first choice of what to do on the Wednesday afternoon yeah. or whatever so how do you make sure it reaches the right kind of people we work together with the museum and they work together with various institutions in, in Berlin where they work with schools. And um, Again, please do... Okay, now the gentleman in front. Thank you. Uh, coming back to the future and against the background of what has been discussed at this conference so far, what is the role you expect from museums uh, in an age increasingly dominated by artificial intelligence on the one hand and um, democracies in crisis um, in those countries having democracies, um, do you expect museums to take a kind of also leading societal role? And uh, what is your thinking? I, I think it would be very good if, if museums do that, and I think we'd be very happy to partner with interesting ideas that develop in that direction. For sure. I, I sometimes feel like we have also potentially to learn from our peers in other countries on this. I'm just going to add a thought to this. I had the pleasure of visiting 
the Art and Science Museum in Singapore, which obviously isn't a place necessarily to go for a, let's say, critical democratic discourse necessarily, but it's definitely a place to go for sort of looking at the future and technological advancement. And I feel that there, I visited an exhibition they did on big data and the role of big data in society, as well as different installations done by makers that just create a different kind of interaction through IoT devices and different kind of sensors. So this sort of playfulness with technology and bringing very up, like current topics into museums, do you think that's something that we're still lacking here in Germany because it's sort of generally lacking a little bit of innovative approach? Probably. And also I think we, it's important to then maybe also get a different uh, um, different people into into the museum get younger people into into the museum through these kind of um you know now especially in berlin if you go to the museums i always feel there could be a lot of more younger people going there yeah um uh, please keep raising your hands for other interventions um is that also again something how how close are the ties in between what you do with Volkswagen um, as a company and sort of encouraging perhaps your own employees or their families to engage in some of the projects that you're doing in the art sector yeah we do we definitely do very much um, another example maybe Michael Beutler was an exhibition at the Hamburger Bahnhof he's an artist who actually creates his piece of art in th within three months so the whole three months of the exhibition is uh, the creation of the of the piece of art and we had our um, interns there was some interns from Volkswagen who three groups who actually went and were allowed to build that piece of art with them with him oh. so now we very much uh, encourage our employees to either if we can with programs or otherwise I mean every Volkswagen employee can go for free into all the museums that we partner not that they all realize and do it but <laughs> but the offer is there, um, which I think is very nice because I personally always feel that if you engage in CSR activities, it makes sense to have a tie into your core business. And, and also it's really important that, you know, they, they sort of don't sit there and think, well, why the hell are you giving a lot of money to Museum of Modern Art in New York? Yeah, What's, which could go to my pension fund or whatever. Yeah. So we do... What about the sort of making the, the, your core business some of the subjects of artistic collaboration? I mean, other companies have gone to length to, for marketing uh, campaigns to have their product framed by artists, but also um, sort of maybe tapping into the question that the gentleman asked from a technological point of view, um, themes like automation at the workplace or the kind of a technological advancement and design aspects that you bring into the future development of your cars. Is that something that you theme some of your artistic engagements around as well well that's the i think the exchange i mentioned earlier that is definitely happening already um so the future starts here which is at the vna at the moment there is actually a um, prototype of an autonomous self-driving car um, within that exhibition um so yeah i think that's the first time that really a product is within a museum's exhibition but because it is part of the 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 story the future The gentleman I was on stage with previously here, Jonathan Ledger, he's currently uh, running an institute or faculty for AI in um, Prague. And this um, question 
was discussed uh, in the last round of how in this very techno-deterministic world that we live in, the role of artists is very necessary in order to imagine different kind of futures. And especially when it comes to automation, um, self-driving cars, that's definitely a predetermined future. That's, you know, it's basically here already. But how do you feel it's your role to engage and stimulate those kind of conversations about, you know, the digital future that we all want to live in rather than the digital future we're all terrified of? I think s similar to what I said before, I think the exchange of, of, of our people and art, the artistic world, um, there's actually a, a EU, EU um, thing called the, uh, it starts the science, technology and the arts, uh, which EU Commissioner Oettinger started, I think, about, uh, funnily enough, again, I, the first time I entered that group of discussion was again, at, of course, at the V&A of Martin, because Martin would always get everyone together. Um, and that's what they're sort of doing. They're having an, an, the industry and the artists working together. That's excellent. I feel that the, the some, parties. Yeah, some crazy distraction happening here in the background. So another added level of challenge. Um, and again, like these kind of discourses that you have perhaps with artists at the Hamburger Bahnhof or you know, where do, we, do you think we can create even more space for in-depth discussion about these future solutions? Is, is, that, is the museum the place? Is, is, is your factory perhaps the case? How do we sort of perhaps merge maybe both. these spaces? Yeah, maybe both. I think it should happen in both spaces because both spaces will give the people that having the discussions a different view from where they are. Yeah, actually, I mean, we haven't talked about this Maybe before. Maybe you all want to come to Wolfsburg. Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic... I mean, I, I think it would be a fascinating idea to have a culturally focused discussion in your Absolutely, industrial workspace and vice versa, a more technologically driven technical discussion in the, in the art space because this sort of, you know, sort of borrowed from design thinking concept that the space also influences the kind of discussion that you have. And that's what I mentioned also when we had the engineers talking at the V&A with Martin's... Uh, people for them it was something new and different and they were really they came back and thought it was great to have that those discussions it's very empowering i think it's very a lot of very democratizing um aspects that we're touching on today it's like her forward said this morning everybody is a scientist and in this way everybody is an artist and maybe also everybody is a little bit of a future engineer uh, without wanting to depreciate any of these professions but just in an empowering sense that we can all actually contribute something to these discourses And think about it in a bigger picture together. Yeah. And not everyone just in their little area. Yeah, exactly. And as you're encouraging also on a global level by kind of connecting the dots between the different places that you work in. Is there like a strategy, like an overall big vision for this? Or do you sort of find your way from project to project? I think, I mean, yeah, of course there is a strategy. There is a strategy that the, the, the sort of key points that I've mentioned, uh, you know, supporting the education side, getting as many people as possible to experience arts and culture and to have this exchange happen. But then it's also from project to pr project, depending on if an amazing project comes up and we all think this is something we, su we should be supporting and, and, and the outcome looks really important, then that will... So strategy, but with some organic Which doesn't space mean work. that everyone now should call me yeah, if they have an exciting project. It was going to exactly be my next question. No, of course you can. If people are listening to this and they're curious of how they can work with you and what it is that they can send you that you say, 
that that I might they be interested can. in. What, how's the? Is the they, do they find you online and email you? I find you have a very nice website where you show the different projects that you do. Is that the way to contact you? Yes, that it is. Does this happen a lot? Are you like completely yes. overwhelmed with <laughs> approaches and you're sort of filing through the email requests? Well, it's really from locally emails saying will you, I mean, this is, sounds stupid, but I did have that email, will you sponsor the ketchup at our children's birthday party to, <laughs> oh to everything? So, yeah, no, we do get a lot of... And if I may ask, how large is your team that you work with? Because there's a lot of projects, and very international. Um, yes? Uh, a five. Wow, that's <laughs> overseeable, I would say, as an amount of people. In, in, for example, in China, obviously, we have colleagues, and luckily, we have colleagues there who really sort of uh, engage in cultural support. So, um, You mentioned earlier, again, please do raise your hands if you want to come in at any point in time. Um, I, is there a hand? No. Yes, there is a hand. We'll go for There's a lady over there. Don't be so shy, because it's very, it's very bright up here. It's very dark down there, so you need to sort of wave at me. Yes. Yeah, hello. My name is Constanze Fuhrmann. I work for the German research organization Fraunhofer. And what we do is uh, to develop digitization technologies that are focused on 3D scanning. And we also received the Europa Nostra um, Award yesterday. So <laughs> we are still very pleased about it. And what I actually found out with, uh, in my work with museums is that museums are still very, very shy to use Uh, innovative technologies for, I don't know, for their exhibition concepts, for participating with uh, the audience and with uh, museums visitors. And um, that's actually something I find really very sad because um, you can use so many new technologies for new innovative presentation concepts also in the museum's context and it's more like a statement now it's not a question to you both but um I think we have um, someone here who can it's just um do we have i just wanted microphone? to to make a statement just to encourage museums also to to consider a broader picture of what you can actually use for um the museum's context to put participate with people to get new approaches uh, for especially younger people to make them more interested in, in art for example and in my case also to use maybe 3D to communicate with uh, a broader audience I just wanted to make that statement. <laughs> Thank you uh, the gentleman in the front row please We have a museum director here Great, thanks for this opportunity Uh, well, let me start. I'm, I'm the director of the, the MAC, the Museum of Applied Art in, um, in Vienna, which is the second oldest after the V&A and probably also the second biggest applied art museum in the world. Um, and um, to answer your question, we were the first museum in the world uh, that bought a work of art with Bitcoin <laughs> many years ago. Um, and uh, currently, if you happen to come to Vienna, Uh, before October 8th, you will see a Klimt virtual reality project. Just to give an example, we have one of the masterpieces by Gustav Klimt, who died 100 years ago, uh, and this is a nine-panel uh, cartoons for the for the uh, for a mosaic frieze at the Palais Stockley, the Stocklet House in Brussels, probably the most important total work of art of uh, Vienna modernism in Brussels, being in Brussels. Um, uh, And so what you can do with this VR is that you really 
enter a Klimchen landscape where you find your own way, you trigger compositions, and suddenly you, you discover lots of details that you have never kind of discovered in the original. So it's a totally new experience. Uh, people love it. You see five-year-olds, you see 95-year-olds, and the whole range in between, and you really love it. So we have another VR project uh, coming up in the fall when we do a big exhibition about beauty, and obviously the new technology also has something to say about beauty, and it's, uh, it's definitely necessary to do it, but you also have to think about other technologies. Um, so next for next year on the horizon, we have probably the largest show and one of the first in the world about artificial intelligence um, and what to know about artificial intelligence. And do you feel that you then get new people coming to the museum? Definitely, different? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, this is good. I'm very much liking the conversational character. If I also may ask a question, do you seek also different kind of collaborations for this? For instance, private sector collaborations to help fund these activities or collaborations to the tech and sort of startup sector or different kinds of artists than you would usually work with to make this happen? Um, yes. Um, I think one of the big problems we currently have is not in the museums, but in our world is that the startup communities rarely cooperate with the creative uh, avant-garde. Mm -hmm. I nowadays talk only about the entrepreneurial avant-garde having to meet the creative avant-garde, meaning designers, uh, artists, architects, and others of creative disciplines. Um, you have all those startup guys working on brilliant ideas for with digital, digital technologies uh, for a better world, um, and they don't c connect. It's rather the exception than the rule. Uh, so museums have to be, especially design museums, uh, have to be a platform to bring those communities together on projects, yeah? So it's, this is what will happen at the MAC uh, next year. We're starting the process. Um, and we also think that we should be a platform to ask the question of values again. What are the kind of values and even virtues we want to have for the future and we want, to, want also to program into artificial intelligence? So this gives you a huge scope uh, for design museums, also for art museums, architecture museums, other creative museums to work on. So it's also really a lab for the future. It's a platform for the future. Yeah. This is fascinating. Space, space, a space for the exchange and the discussion that we were talking about, debates that can happen. No? Yes, so and it very much ties in again to the conversation that I had with Jonathan here earlier, where we also discussed the startup economy and the kind of values we're perpetuating, um, and also about inclusively designed AI. So it fits really well into that. And I would be very interested in your take on that, because I'm sure that Volkswagen um, has its own accelerator program, probably, and also probably a wealth of experience of working with startups focused more perhaps on the automotive sector. Um, but again, it'd be interesting to see how, like, A, your observation on this, um, on this uh, if you share the observation that was made um, regarding the sort of kind of startup economy that we're raising at the moment, and perhaps your role in making some of these connections happening or supporting some kind of entrepreneurial activity that is more focused on a shared value space with a cultural realm. Yeah, I think that's that's something that we can definitely together probably still need to work on to to exchange with them. So far, I think it's more within because we're such a big company. So, for example, we have three big future centers in the world. One is in Beijing, one is in San Francisco, and one is in Berlin and Potsdam. Mm -hmm. 
And it used they used to be the design centers. Now they're called the future centers because actually the digitalization people and the design people are now working there together. But that's within our company. I yeah. think what still probably more needs to happen. What you're saying that you know going out and talking to startups and. I think it's very fascinating. I know we're moving slightly away from the core topic here, but different companies have different models of how to breed innovation and this idea of in-house and out-house innovation centers. One model that I found particularly interesting here in Berlin, again, is the Fab Lab Berlin, which is funded by Otto Bock, which is a medical device company. But they chose to create, uh, to support the Fab Lab as a sort of out-house innovation space with an in-house component to it. With, and supporting things like open science hack days and a lot of sort of youthful activities and creative activities in order to have this shared interface between the community and the kind of innovation that they want for their own company, just as a point of inspiration. <laughs> But the Fab Lab is owned by them? They're fully funded by them. But it's, uh, it's its own entity with them being the main sponsor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, them having their in-house seated in the Fab Lab. As their own, as the Autobock entity, yeah. yeah. Uh, does it? Yeah, does it work? Yes, it works. Ah, okay. I don't hear it. So uh, my name is Nikolai. I work actually in film. I was born in a fantasy country that doesn't exist anymore called Soviet Union. I came to the Mac when I was seven because on the way to Germany we got interneted. I went in. I was so impressed. I left the balloon fly. It was there. That was my art as a as an artist. I I want to paraphrase a famous quote: "Not what VW can do to the museum, but what can the museum do to VW." So, were there ever projects, let's say, that you really bring the museum to the car? So, I work in cinema. I fly a lot. I'm sitting in the plane. I'm watching movies. I'm in New York in a cab. I see commercials. Are there any ideas? Maybe how can you actually incorporate? technology into a car that you can actually have, let's say, a museum experience driving. We all spend a lot of time of our life in a car. Why not offer something else? Why not offer high culture? Absolutely. Especially with the autonomous car coming, self-driving car where you will have a huge screen in front of you um, and anything can happen there. And the self-driving car which is now at, at the vna for example you have six different scenarios where you know the the person is uh, to having a conversation with you so she's saying you're going to the doctors oh but we're in a traffic jam um we will just call your doctors and tell them that you're late so um there's that uh, whole sort of you know discussion of how it will be going on in the future but you can then obviously have everything within that car yes why not have an art exhibition on a screen or um, I'm just looking out for more questions we only have a few minutes left sounds This like they want to favorite topic another uh, question up there please I'm just going to fill in the time quickly until the microphone comes to you I think this is one of my favorite topics when it comes to the automation and the sphere that we're making ourselves obsolete uh, is, is the self-driving car because I, this is sorry, this is a short anecdote from my life. I like to, I take a lot of taxis. I live in a city like Berlin. I think it's rubbish to own my own car. So I really like taking taxis and I, you know, this sort of, that's the first sort of one of the first jobs to be automated away when we have fully autonomous vehicles, especially within city centers. Um, and yet I really, I love taxi driver conversations. It's one of my favorite things. So I sometimes wonder, isn't this one of the best sort of small case studies examples where we could think about what else could the human do inside this autonomous vehicle rather than drive it? But how do we sort of preserve the human element and the digital futures that we create? 
I'll take that back with me. Thank you. I have some more thoughts on that. If you want to talk about it later, please. Um, what I'm missing in this really, really interesting uh, conversation is the question of definition of designer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was alluded to by Matteo Gris also. Um, we are talking now, when I talk about design avant-garde now, it's a totally different concept. It's really designer thinking holistically, being kind of future-oriented philosophers and having at the same time the means at their hands as, it is, as brilliant designers, you know. And this is really what also startup needs, uh, startups need, Uh, because they have their project, their business models, they're trying to get the money for it, etc., etc., but they are not reflecting on the, let's say, holistic dimension of what they are doing and how this could fit. Yeah, And we need, nor do the politicians do it uh, or other um, areas of our society, so we need especially designers, but also artists and, and other creative people to do that. Mm -hmm. I very much agree, yeah. Um. Is that also something as a sort of how you know the sort of how do you define yourself in your job and your workplace and how do you define yourself beyond that sort of who defines themselves as an engineer or as a designer within Volkswagen? Yeah, what I said earlier that like you say the engineer should not just be thinking of that little area that he he works in. Yeah. But I think in a huge company like Volkswagen, it's still it will still take It's a little while for yeah. Any more questions? I would be interested to hear a little bit about what's coming up next. Um, if you've got sort of a wealth of experience now, as you said, you're working with a lot of your partners in a very sort of long-term perspective. Um, are you currently designing new ideas and projects with them? Uh, are you looking for certain new topics that you think are trending? What's, what's next on your agenda? Um, new topics coming up. Uh, God, I'm just... There's so many that apart from the <laughs> hundreds of emails that you're sorting through with requests no. for cooperation <laughs> um, we're actually just uh, supporting and this is not the next topic coming up but uh, it's maybe again a nice example of how things happen when we work together with a museum director and what what we could be supporting so there's a wonderful exhibition here in the Alte Nationale Galerie called Wanderlust oh yes and so when I had the first conversations with Udo Kittelmann of you know what should we be supporting what could be our next project and he came up with this uh, amazing exhibition that uh, really someone has now just a curator has taken all paintings that existed and that do with that topic um, we're all talking about future mobility and of course I said well this is the original form of mobility this is something that um, also in the you know the times now where everything's so fast to to look back at Wanda and, and, and also what it did in, in those days when they painted these paintings they were going out uh, not just to walk but also to think and to be more open and free and my favorite one is a painting by an, a Danish artist where he painted a lady who was the first, in 1912, the first lady to go into the mountains on her own. Um, and it's a wonderful painting. Actually, in 1914, the uh, Frauenwahlrecht was introduced into, de into Denmark. I read that this is one of the exhibitions that would have also not taken place without your support. These are the sort of niche little exhibitions that I think are important that they happen. And yeah, that... This is a nice example ties in with some of the other themes that we spoke about because Wanderlust might seem like something very 
old school, but it's actually also a super hipster thing. And totally. The Rome's, what are they called? The Romesters? Yeah, there, there yeah, Romesters. There's yeah, an exactly. online... <laughs> All the digital nomads that are sort of, yeah, roaming across the globe. <laughs> and I think also it's quite interesting because when we're talking about soft diplomacy, obviously Vandan, not as an activity, but the Vandalus as a, as a value, as an idea, something very inherent to German culture that I find other people are fascinated about when they're introduced to the concept. And actually the... the There is a contemporary sort of art piece in there. There's a video of Björk's song Wanderlust. Ah, no, I didn't know that existed. I haven't listened to Björk, I will check that out. <laughs> Are there any more questions or interventions um, from, from any of you? No. Um, what drives you personally? Like, why did you choose to... I mean, I guess you have a kind of untypical job within a very, you know, from a German perspective, traditional company. So what brought you there? Well, in three words, I always say I was a paper restorer in my first life, <laughs> which I was. I studied art history and paper conservation. And then uh, at some point in time decided that sitting in a little studio on my own doing very precise work wasn't what I wanted to stay on doing and that I just loved being with people. And I then did a, bit, did, did a big project uh, within a communications agency to do the whole communication concept of a... Jasper Jones exhibition in the museum in Ludwig in Cologne years ago and that's really how I sort of got into that side of it so you via a few automotive stops I did PR and marketing <laughs> for for Bentley for many years and then when Volkswagen was looking a bit into that they should not just be doing a project a year or something but wanted their cultural engagement to grow and be bigger then I was happy to come back to culture and do that now since seven years seven years um, and how do you feel that with a long-term perspective and also long-term engagement with some of your partners do you feel that the scene that you're working in has changed in that time at all perhaps also the kinds of partnerships or the openness for such collaborations have changed yes I think uh, definitely um, I think it sort of started with I mean Nazinagala is a good example the contract said an exhibition a year mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of how it started. And from then we've really developed into doing different formats together, you know, whatever it is, Volkswagen Out for All or the bus or, or workshops and, and, and things. So from this purely we're supporting an ex exhibition to, to really this exchange and different formats and contents. So there's more openness today f for this than previously. Is that due to the experience made on both sides? Is that due to increased economic pressure? Or wh where do you think that's coming from? I think it was growing together in, in all the partnerships that we have that I think there was an openness to do things together and not just, you know, here's money and you use it. And do you also think that applies to general private sector engagement in the arts and culture sector? Do you see that on the increase? Yeah, I do. I think generally there is an openness. So where's, uh, maybe as a closing question, sort of the next, twofold, um, sort of the biggest challenges you see in, in, in doing more of what you're doing now, increasing these collaborations and, and building these partnerships? My biggest challenges are internally to convince everyone that we need to go be going on. Is that <laughs> a thing? They, no, I mean, I'm exaggerating. But it, it, yeah, it is always obviously. No, they, they, they all believe in that we need to do that. Otherwise, I don't think we would have been doing that for so many years. But then obviously in a company like that, there's other priorities yeah. as well. And so that's always a, 
good discussion that I have. Good that they have you to drive this point home. I will try. <laughs> if there are no further questions um, from you, then I would like to say thank you very much. It was very fascinating to talk to you, and it's really great that you're here today. Um, I think housekeeping announcements now would include that we have another 15-minute, 10-minute according to my schedule. I think I've, I've not been informed otherwise, so I think that still goes. Um, break happening, so it would be wonderful to see you all at a quarter to seven for a wrap-up at the main stage, and we very much hope that you're also joining us for dinner, which is going to start at 7.30, and as you hear, there's also a musical program happening, so the sound checking downstairs is not just for your distraction, but hopefully for your enjoyment later on. Thank you very much, Benita. Thank you. Thank you all.